Hey guys, this is Rich Bokini. This is the princess of pro wrestling, SoCal Val. Teddy Stigma, the world's worst role model. This is Holiday. This is Steve Young. E-F-F-Y-F-E. And you're listening to the only podcast that calls it right down the middle. The whole reppin' show. And now, the wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. The whole reppin' show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode, the 55th episode of the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle, the whole ref and show. My name is Perry Smith. My name is Darren Beasley. 5-5, five, five, Darren. 5-5. Five, five. Double nickels. Double nickels to death. That's a dime, right? Double nickels? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, okay. It's... Add that shit up. <laughs> DRE. Is that, was that what you're singing? The... Exactly. Okay, good, good, good. Woo. Just dropping a little bit of that Snoop D O double G. There you go. Well, I'm sure he appreciates that. He listens to the show. And uh, we're going to talk a bit more about Snoop D O double G. No, we're not. But we are going to talk about uh, the latest wrestle headlines that have made the web uh, slash social media as of late. We're going to talk about Neville. Uh, either one foot or both feet out the door at WWE. Uh, someone was uh, definitely kicked out of WWE. They were fired. A man named Jimmy Jacobs. We're going to tell you about what happened there. Uh, successful surgery. Uh, updates on the War Games PPV for NXT. And uh, a return at a reunion. Not to mention Darren and I's head-to-head. Head-to-head. Horse Smackdown Live's pay-per-view Hell in a Cell. Where we did pretty damn well, I gotta say. We did well in the Hell in a Cell. Nice. Uh, we still got the rap on our brains because we're, we're rhyming and we can't help ourselves. Well, I mean, who could? <laughs> Uh, those who can and do. Uh, so yeah, a lot to talk about. <laughs> a lot to talk about here. A jam-packed show, as always. And uh, we can't start until we start with them. Headlines! Neville, the king of the cruiserweights, uh, might be done with the WWE. Now, the rumor's been around for the last couple weeks, maybe more, uh, that Neville has been unhappy with his role at WWE. And uh, there's reports that he's already gone. Uh, there's reports that say those reports are false. Uh, old Dave Meltzer, who is the end-all, be-all when it comes to wrestle news, uh, you know, besides us, of course, um, <laughs> says that Neville is indeed uh, out of there. Well, what do you think, Darren? Uh, Meltzer reports that his sources say Neville is finito. He is toast. He is 100% gone, baby, gone. He has ghosted World Wrestling Entertainment. But that's just one source. And, of course, exactly when did he do it? How did he do it? Did he no-show Raw? Did he walk out of Raw? Who knows? Uh, was it exactly because he lost to Enzo? Um, does he hate Enzo that bad? Does he hate the idea that much? Or was that the uh, was that the straw that broke the camel's back? I don't know, 
regardless, I think it's a foolish, foolish move for Neville. Um, there, there is a very, very ripe and abundant independent scene waiting out there for Neville. Um, and the possibilities of him in New Japan or ROH. But to walk away from this WWE opportunity, I mean, he was the man in NXT for a while. And despite a little bit of, you know, start-stop there when he first made it to Raw, I mean, you look at this cruiserweight title run. I mean, this guy has been pushed to the moon over an entire division made up of guys that were ostensibly indie darlings for the longest time. Absolutely. They've been feeding these cruiserweights to Neville. Uh, Neville has this long, really good feud with Austin Aries and just comes out on top every time to the, to the point where Austin Aries got fed up and he left. Um, <laughs> so it, it's it's interesting that, that Neville's like, ah, they're not using me right. It's like you've been champion forever. You've beaten everybody. What the fuck are you talking about? Oh, absolutely. I don't understand what he could... Po- I mean, could, could he possibly be upset with something that's happening right now? Sure. I mean, that that that's life, and that's people. Is it enough... Could it possibly be enough to walk away from all this? No. And interestingly enough, you mentioned Austin Aries. I'm actually sitting here looking at my WrestleMania poster, my, uh, my lineup, my card from WrestleMania this year, uh, from the Citrus Bowl, and there you have Austin Aries versus Neville for the Cruiserweight Championship at WrestleMania only six months ago, and now potentially both of those dudes are, are history? I mean, that's crazy. It always happens. The, the, the minute you start thinking about the fact that stuff goes on for far too long, oh my God, can we really be seeing Roman Reigns? In the main event of WrestleMania, again, it never stops. It never stops. You go back and you look at a poster or you look at a card that's written down and you go, whoa, some of that stuff changed very quickly. And uh, some of it changed very unexpectedly. So, you know, uh, my opinion is Neville should have stayed quiet and and been happy. Yeah, at least get a couple more checks. Uh, it was strange, I guess, for Neville for a while. He uh, he had he was injured for a while, uh, so he made a comeback. And I, I feel like ever since his comeback, they they used him to the fullest extent, you know. And he really helped uh, rejuvenate Two Hundred Five Live to get some like I want to say older blood, but someone a bit more recognizable, you know, to show up on Two Hundred Five Live. Like they just sent Callisto. Uh, to a 205 Live who immediately beat Enzo for that Cruiserweight title. Um, you know, word is it was supposed to be Neville getting it back from Enzo, uh, but we don't we don't know. We don't know. As I said, a lot of word about this, but um, the minute that it's made official or we find out where Neville is headed next, we'll let you listeners know when we know for sure. Uh, someone who's definitely out of the company is a young man named Jimmy Jacobs. Darren, who is Jimmy Jacobs? Jimmy Jacobs? Come on, Jimmy Jacobs, man. Age of the Fall, Ring of Honor. I'm asking you to tell the the listeners, not me. Jeez, calm down. I'm I'm talking to one of our listeners whose name's Barry. You had a tone that was like, you dumb fuck, Jimmy Jimmy (laughs) Jacobs is this. Jimmy Jacobs was 
until five seconds ago, one of the writers for WWE, um, Raw Brand, Jimmy Jacobs, uh, very creative individual, strong wrestling mind. He's only been with the company for maybe, I guess, maybe two years at this point. He comes from Ring of Honor where he was an in-ring competitor. And like I said, leader of the faction known as Age of the Fall, which included Tyler Black, who people know as Seth Rollins now. Right. Well, now that he's gone from the company, maybe he'll open up a, uh, a chain of sub shops called Jimmy Jacobs and compete with Jimmy Johns. Uh, I look forward to eating your sub, Jimmy Jacobs. <laughs> that's, that's all I got. Well, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. So that, that's who Jimmy Jacobs is. Why was he let go from the company? Well, you, you know, we talked about on the show how the Bullet Club invaded, and I'm doing air quotes here, Raw, meaning they drove their cars to the Raw parking lot and said, hey, we're here, we <laughs> And uh, still pretty cool. I don't mean to take, I don't mean to take, uh, you know, the oomph out of that. It was very cool. But, you know, no, let's not and call it an invasion. Nevertheless, Jimmy Jacobs decides to go outside and say hey to his buddies. Jimmy Jacobs, a long-time ROH mainstay, going to go talk to all his ROH buddies. Come on, Jimmy, you got to know better than that. If you've been with the WWE for a year or two years or however long it is, if you've been with the WWE for 10 minutes, you know that is not going to fly in Vince McMahon land. And, and so he goes outside, he takes pictures with them. They go on Twitter and Instagram and everything. And uh, WWE says, bye-bye. Yep. Uh, you should know better. Uh, Vince McMahon has fired people for much less. Um, Vince McMahon, legendary for just letting people go just because he doesn't like the the cut of their jib. Now, here's here's a special Vince McMahon firing story you will only get on this show, folks. I have this from an insider at WWE, and this is, this is totally true, by the way. Uh, Vince McMahon recently let someone go because he didn't like the way they knocked on his door. Because he felt that their knock was not manly. So he let them go. <laughs> That's true. What? <laughs> that is absolutely true. Oh, my God. Yep. So that's the, that's the kind of guy Vince McMahon is, by the way. That's the kind of guy Vince well, McMahon is. Well, we know that Titus O'Neil, I mean, the, the entire Titus O'Neil spiral into nothingness all began with a pretty lengthy suspension that caused him to miss WrestleMania simply because he touched Vince McMahon. Oh, my God. That's the worst shit. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if any of that's going to make it into that movie, which probably won't get made and probably won't star Bradley Cooper. Um, <laughs> I guarantee you, if it is made, it's not going to include all that horribleness. No, no, this. no. He, he'll be the good Samaritan uh, Vince McMahon. I, I helped all these unless, athletes. Helped all these athletes get jobs and wrestle for me and uh, took care of their families uh, when I thought it might turn around and, and become a lawsuit and... Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure all that will be in there. It, it'll be. I think Disney's making it. It's going to be the feel good comedy of the year. <laughs> I hope so. All right, so that's a couple of dudes who seem to be going away from the WWE. 
But news on somebody hopefully returning pretty soon, uh, coming hot off the heels of a successful hip surgery. Well, well, it's the big show. Well, it's the big show. We've been making that joke for like 20 years now, you realize. Jesus Christ. Uh, Oh, man, yeah. February will be 20 years since we first heard that atrocious music. (laughs) Oh, man. But yeah, big show. Successfully uh, coming off of hip surgery. Seems to be upright, mobile, back in the gym, shooting selfies in the mirror, uh, getting back to being his new ripped self, best shape of his career, if you can believe that. I mean... I, I just think about I think about him retiring after December to dismember, and uh, for the dear listeners who remember uh, all the old episodes of the whole Reffin show, we discussed December to dismember, match by match, blow by blow, on an early episode of this podcast, and uh, go back and listen to that one if you haven't, because it's a good podcast about a not-so-good show that actually is kind of good. A little biased. I was there. I was there in person. (laughs) And I was in a teeny, tiny arena with a gigantic elimination chamber. And uh, so it kind of was like that weird momentum anxiety dream that people have where it's like a giant ball is rolling toward them. Like That's what it felt for the entire pay-per-view. But anyway, I digress. Big surprise. The big show, this is 10 years ago, that December to dismember, he supposedly was retiring after that. And he was at his biggest, his unhealthiest. His showiest. And and then here we go. Now it's a decade later and he looks like a million dollars. So uh, congratulations to Paul White, the giant, the big show. The big nasty bastard, if you will. <laughs> um, you mean Jason Jordan? Congrats on successful surgery and uh, happy healing. Um, and H uh, E A L I N G, not H E E L I N G. Yeah, the, the thought crossed my mind. I was like, well, they're going to think we're saying he's he's bad guying it up, but no, no, he's he's getting better all the time. Better, better. Okay, Uh, (laughs) so Big Show will be making his return at some point, I'm sure. Big Show's actually doing some pretty cool things. Uh, I like some of the big cast stuff. That match he had with Braun Strowman on Raw was great. Um, The the, the first one, anyway, not the the cage match so much. So, of course, uh, we'll give more updates on Big Show when he makes his actual return to the uh, Squared Circle. And uh, speaking of updates, we've got an update for NXT's uh, upcoming TakeOver War Games. Uh, Of course, the original War Games tend to use two rings because the War Games can't be contained in one ring. You've got to use two rings for this massive match. Uh, So there's a lot of speculation. We ourselves are wondering, are they going to bring back the two rings? And uh, they are. We're going to get ourselves an official War Games match with two rings, which is funny to see the wrestlers wrestling in one ring, like the the non-War Games match, and they're wrestling, and there's that other ring right next to them, and that's always fun to watch. Anyway. I hope that they utilize the second ring. Like, 
I always liked that where most of the time on a War Games card, they wouldn't. But occasionally somebody would be like, you know what? Here, go, throw you over these ropes. Throw you over the second set of ropes into the other ring. And that's pretty fun. Yeah. But yeah, we were talking about it last week. We were talking about would we see both rings because a one-ring War Games is not War Games at all. That ain't it's War Games. A, it's a, simply a steel cage match. That's Diet so, War Games. <laughs> so, we, uh, you know, you go to Ticketmaster and you look at the seating chart for the arena. Well, that's how news broke that we were definitely getting two rings here as the seating chart for the arena there has the diagram with two rings side by side. And we all rejoice because everybody was so excited about the return of war games. But if we're going to have it, we by God want the real thing. And, uh, you know, NXT knows how to do the real thing. Uh, It's Triple H or Michael Hayes, whoever is making those decisions and getting away with it. Uh, thank you. Thank you for giving us real things and real wrestling. Right. Not make Starcade something real and tangible. Because uh, <laughs> right now it seems a bit abstract. Um, so anyway, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Uh, but we got uh, some returning wrestlers to uh, SmackDown Live. The Bludgeon Brothers. I don't know when they were ever called that before. So they're kind of returning, or they're kind of debuting? I don't know. Luke Harper and Eric Rowan have been off of SmackDown television for quite some time. And, you know, I like Eric Rowan, but I didn't really miss him. But boy, I have greatly greatly missed Luke Harper. Um, As soon as I realized he'd been gone for a couple of weeks, I immediately began to worry that uh, the, the guy was not long for WWE. I remember but, that. We were, we were really worried because we put out those uh, those missing posters in the neighborhood. Um, and uh, and I, I feel bad for Luke Harper because he was getting pushed so much. Like, he, he was becoming as big of a, of a face as uh, Randy Orton, and they were combating the evil that was Bray Wyatt. Like, when Luke finally turned on uh, Bray Wyatt... And, like, people were into it. People were into Luke Harper, and he was over. And they were like, mm, that's enough. It's, it's just Randy Orton, Bray Wyatt now. So <laughs> Luke Harper was like, all right, I'll go over here now. And, uh, yeah, Rowan was injured for all that. And then he made a comeback, and then he kind of disappeared again. So you can just tell they don't, they still don't know what to do with these guys. But hopefully pairing them up is the what you should do, and hopefully that leads to something. Well, I think that they absolutely need to exist as a tag team. They're a great tag team. They are a magnificent pair. They look so terrifying together. They're the same size, which is head and shoulders above everybody else. They're, they're, they're sort of, they really are such a natural fit. I think Harper is an extraordinary singles competitor. I think he can wrestle. I think he can entertain, he can talk. But as much as I like the singles wrestler Luke Harper, I really dig Harper and Rowan together, whether they're with Bray or not. And um, so, yeah, they're, 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 it looks like they've given these guys giant hammers. And uh, we started to see a tease of them as the Bludgeon Brothers. They're coming back to SmackDown Live. And um, simply as a tag team, that's very exciting. 
uh, in a world with New Day and Usos and and all that, uh, add, adding Harper and Rowan in, especially with a like a gimmicked up gimmick again, not just you know, not just uh, like slowly losing the Wyatt family gimmick and turning into just kind of regular guys. But no, let's gimmick them up again. Like that, that's really awesome. But an interesting thing is uh, at the pay-per-view, which we're going to discuss uh, later, there was the fashion police segment in which uh, the new clues of the numeral two and the letter B uh, kept appearing. And uh, no one really seemed to know what that was all about. But now that we've seen the first Bludgeon Brothers vignette, there is, of course, the idea that, oh, 2B, uh, 2B, as in BB, Bludgeon Brothers. So perhaps they will reveal that it was Harper and Rowan all along who have been repeatedly attacking the fashion police. I think that would be a fun, a fun, weird feud. Yeah, I don't know if it's... Uh... It's hard to, to pair anyone up with the fashion police because they're so zany. Um, it, it's it's basically you you want the fashion police to go over just because they're so fun and you know whatever. Like they they fought against the Usos and it was like like the Usos are like supposed to be straight up heels right now, but you know there there's all these weird things happening in their match with like Tyler Breeze rolling around, rolling away <laughs> from like you know Jimmy Uso coming from the top rope and stuff like that and. Um, uh, Tyler Breeze Man, wearing different my top five disguises. Moments. No, no, it's 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 great. But I'm saying, like, if you if you want to respect and fear the Bludgeon Brothers, the Brothers Bludgeon, then you need to maybe keep them away from the comedy act that is uh, Brazongo. Um, but uh, you know, people getting back together, man. Reunions they're happening all over the place, Darren. In fact, we finally have a full reunion of the Shield. Now, for a long time. By a long time, I mean not really that long of a time at all. Uh, <laughs> actually, no, it, it was it was quite a while with uh, Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins going like, "We should be together again." No, I can't. I can't. That was a lifetime ago. Uh, okay, let's do it. No, <laughs> no, nah, man, you turned your back. You turned your back. Oh, you're right. Okay, okay, now I'm in. Oh no, you turned your back. Okay, no, I turned my back. Okay, now I'm turning my front to you. No more back turning. Let's do this. No, 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 no. Maybe next week on Raw. Maybe next week. Okay, now it's next week on Raw. So we're gonna do. So you know, there's all that. So the, the Shield reunion, the two thirds Shield reunion that took way too long, way way too long. Almost didn't work anymore, but it works. But it, did, it didn't work because you missed that third guy. So it's not really a S.H.I.E.L.D. reunion. And then finally, we get uh, Roman Reigns involved. So now we have ourselves a proper S.H.I.E.L.D. reunion, complete with new S.H.I.E.L.D. t-shirts, Darren. Yeah, that was weird, right? They, uh, they debut new shirts in the same show just maybe an hour and a half later. After their spontaneous yeah. reunion, right? Um, that was a bit much. Like that was so outrageous and unrealistic that you almost wonder if it was kind of tongue in cheek, you know? Um, because it's, I mean, it's it's honestly it's silly. But uh, the reunion itself, I was extremely surprised by this. Pleasantly surprised. I like the idea of the three of them together more than just Rollins and Ambrose because just Rollins and Ambrose reeks of 
desperation because we don't know what to do with these guys. Right, we talked about this. Yeah, absolutely. But all three of them together, it kind of gives you that renewed purpose. They can wrestle as three. They can wrestle as any uh, pair, pairing of the three. Or they can wrestle solo matches. They just have this loose affiliation. Again, it's that type of thing that I always go back to that we both talk about a lot, which is the idea of factions. Factions are awesome. They're Faction fun. Faction wars. Cool. Yay. Right. But also, n- n- now was the time for faction wars, for gang wars, because as soon as they started whispering the shield coming back together, I was like, oh, just in time for the Survivor Series. Survivor right. Series typically being eight-man tags. That That's the, the typical format for Survivor Series, a proper Survivor Series. They kind of, they ditched that for a while, but they came back to it. Uh, last year's Survivor Series, I thought was pretty great. Um, so hopefully it'll be a, a good Survivor Series this year. Um, I, I do know that speaking of Survivor Series, the rumor is that Jinder Mahal, who is a champion of SmackDown, will take on Brock Lesnar, who is the champion over on Raw in a non-title match, which I think is weird. Um, <laughs> it's a really, really weird seeing Brock Lesnar fight someone he hasn't been involved with for the last you know 30 years, um, <laughs> i.e. Roman Reigns, Braun Strowman, Samoa Joe, Seth Rollins, you know, whoever. Um, but I, to, to me, uh, very quickly about Survivor Series, I was really hoping it was going to be like all the SmackDown champions versus all the Raw champions, like you know the Usos and Jinder Mahal, and I guess well, I don't. <laughs> spoiler alert: Baron Corbin, uh, who is now the U.S. champion, we'll get to that later. Uh, you know, versus um, what? Well, I guess not the Shield. I guess it'd be the Shield, huh? Okay, well, if it's the Shield, never mind, because that fucks that all the way up. Because you can't have the Shield reunite and then not actually uh, wrestle together. Right? Okay, forget that. Bad idea, bad idea. <laughs> okay, so so not that then. Um, but anyway, I, I, I like the idea of Raw versus SmackDown, but I always thought it'd be cool if, like, the four champions took on the four champions. And then, of course, it comes down to gender versus Brock. But, you know, whatever. I'm not booking this stuff, but just a fan. No, I think... I think that's really great. I think that would be really fun. Um, but I like the idea of gender versus Brock, period. That's really interesting. Uh, you, I mean, you already said why it's very interesting, because it's fresh. At the very least, it's fresh. And um, also, they that that's an interesting poster. You know, those guys look so different. Yet, they're going to have belts that are almost identical to one another. And uh, I think you can make for some really interesting artwork. Um, but yeah, it's the Survivor Series. I'm with you. I want every match to be a traditional Survivor Series match. We get singles matches and tag matches on Raw and SmackDown and every pay-per-view and every everything every week. So how about one show of the year you give us straight-up gimmick matches just like it's supposed to be? That's why that show exists, and that's why that show has continued to exist for 30 years. Absolutely. I, mean, I, I agree with you completely. And you know the the, the mid, middle rung and lower uh, part of the roster is like, yay, we potentially get to be on the pay-per-view because there'll be 90,000 wrestlers wrestling. Well, yeah. I mean, but I wish it were like the past where that, that truly meant that, and not in some cheap, Andre the Giant Battle Royal type of way. But right. in a, let's get to actually spotlight these guys 
every guy on the roster is going to get, you know, a couple of minutes. <laughs> so, so the Dino Bravos of the world, that, that, that's the, the, the Hercules Hernandez of the world, they get to be put on a team. All right, uh, the Mountie, IRS, Dino Bravo, and uh, <laughs> Jimmy Snooker, your team. All right, go, go. All right, Typhoon, uh, Earthquake, no. How about uh, Smash from Demolition? And uh, like, I, I love that shit, you know? I mean, we actually did a segment long ago, speaking of old segments that we've done on the show, where we talked about our, uh, our favorite Survivor Series teams. And it was always like you'd get these two really great people or three really great people, and the fourth guy is Dino Bravo. And I think we we even point oh, yeah. him out many times, like, God, for every, like, Bret Hart or Randy Savage, you get, like, two Dino Bravos in the team. <laughs> so it's like the mega powers like, and two Dino was, Bravos. They fuck it up. Yeah, there was that one year where that Survivor Series team had two Dino Bravos on the team. <laughs> I don't know why they felt they had to book them both in Survivor Series. They must have been pretty thin on their roster. You know my my favorite thing, and this is awful because of what it, because of the reality that it's actually connected to. But my favorite thing, of course, about Dino Bravo is the fact that the PWI Almanac, the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Almanac. That R.I.P. by the way, R.I.P. PWI Almanac. Also, Dino they, Bravo, R.I.P. And, exactly. and speaking of which, and speaking of which, quickly, Dino Bravo dies in a horrible way, listeners. If you right. don't, if you don't know how he dies, look it up because I'm not, I'm not going to get into it. It's going to bum everyone well, out. I, that's what I know. That. Oh, that oh great. Okay. Process, <laughs> Jesus Christ. No, we're going to talk about it. You're going to bum us out, and we're laughing about it. <laughs> it's not. It's it's awful. It's awful. But PWI Almanac, I didn't see. I didn't know what had happened. I didn't know what had happened to Dino Bravo. I the, the world's strongest Canadian, or wait, the Canadian Canada's strongest man, not Canada's strongest man, <laughs> not the world's strongest Canadian, the the Canada's strongest man, Dino Bravo. I didn't know what had happened to him in those in those lean years. Between my childhood and the emergence of the NWO, Dino Bravo was murdered. He was murdered. He was executed, quote-unquote, the PWI Almanac, gangland style. and Not gangnam style, but gangland style. And I read that. I read that and was horrified. I was 15 years old. And I'm flipping through the 1996 PWI Almanac and barking out. And then I'm reading, you know, like, oh, this day in wrestling history, Dino Bravo was murdered gangland style. I'm like, what? <laughs> what the hell? Why are we laughing about this? Yeah, he, Dino Bravo reportedly shot in the back of the head about five times. Um, so that that's horrible. And, uh, and we're, we're laughing at the, the fact that we, I wasn't going to bring this up, but Darren was going to bring this up and we brought this up. Uh, we're obviously not laughing about, you know, Bravo dying. That's horrible. Uh, respect to the Bravo family. Uh, anyway. So yeah, the, the shield got back together again. <laughs> and, uh, the, yeah. The thing is like, uh, whether it happens at Survivor Series or not, at TLC, 
we will be seeing the shield in action against the Miz. All right. It's the shield. It's three people and they're going to take on the Miz. So it's probably the Miz and his little group, which makes three people, right? Curtis Axel and Bo Dallas, the Miz Tourage. Nope. 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 The Miz and his obvious partners, Seamus and Cesaro. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, okay. Well, you, you need a more credible threat. Um, and I'm surprised that the Miz is is even the the third ingredient to this. And I'm not shitting on those guys, but you, you can tell that they thought like this this the Miz versus the Mizdarage. That's not a great enough threat to bring the Shield back together again. So I I get that, but I, I think it it might as well have been Braun Strowman and um, Sheamus and Cesaro. Like that would have been a credible threat. Like oh we gotta we gotta join forces and take down evil. Well, I mean, that's, that's of course, what ends up happening, though, is it's just, it's, it, it's, just, it's just a mess. Like, honestly, it should be, for TLC, not Survivor Series necessarily, but use TLC as your warm-up. The shield comes out and obliterates the Miztourage. Just have it happen. That's fine. That's storytelling. Not every single match that ever happens needs to be a WrestleMania match or a WrestleMania main event or even a marquee matchup. But it makes sense to have a natural threesome versus another natural threesome. Threesomes that actually exist, the Miz and the Miztourage, the Shield. Have them wrestle at TLC pay-per-view, which is the next Raw exclusive pay-per-view coming up before Survivor Series. Have the Miz and the Miztourage obliterated, which forces the Miz to then go out and recruit better help, like Sheamus and Cesaro, blah, 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 blah. Instead, no, the Miztourage are almost treated like they don't exist, and as a result, Sheamus and Cesaro are put in there. But no, that's not messy enough. Before the show ends, Miz agrees to do the match only if it's a handicap match. Why would you do that? <laughs> Kurt Angle then agrees to let it happen, and now the fourth man with the Miz, Braun Strowman. So, okay, again, in a storyline, that makes sense. Braun Strowman wants to myrtleize Roman Reigns, uh, but it's just, it's too forced, man. And, I, and I'm tired of that when there's other logical booking it's more entertaining, obviously, but who am I? Hey, you're you, all right? And no one can take that away from you unless they murder you gangland style. Uh, <laughs> then they can they can take that away from you. Um, again, we shouldn't laugh at that. Um, so <laughs> that's it for the headlines. Uh, but WWE, they went to Detroit Rock City, and they had themselves a hell in a cell, and Darren and I... We went head to head, head to head, with our predictions, and let's see how we did. Hell in a cell. Hell in a cell is a SmackDown live. You, WWE brought us on Sunday, the eighth of October, two thousand seventeen, from Detroit, Michigan. That's right. Last week, Perry and I went. Head to head. Head to head. With our picks for this super show, this network exclusive show 
one day I'm going to try and phase pay-per-view out of my vocabulary because it's a misnomer. It's hard to do. But on this night in Detroit, Rock City, as we just said earlier, we got a lot of matches. We had a lot of good matches. And as far as a head-to-head goes, I'm going to just go ahead and say we did really well. I did really, really well. I think so. I think so. Watching it, I was like, hey, we sound like we know what we're talking about. (laughs) So So take that, all you naysayers. Every time I get a message from some listener who says, uh, not doing so hot this week, are you? I, uh, I cry a little bit. Yeah, and I tell, I tell you not to give out your personal phone bit. number. Um, so you stop getting text messages from fans. Uh. <laughs> it doesn't work. I, I don't know. But maybe I like tears in my beers. I don't know. We'll see. But Hell in a Cell, before the show proper begins... We do have a pre-show match. Those, oh man, how the whole Reffin show loves a pre-show match. And we get Gable and Benjamin, a.k.a. American Alpha 2 or World's Greatest Tag Team 2. Uh, Team Angle only without the angle. That's what they are. I don't know. These guys (laughs) take on the Hype Bros in our pre-show match. And uh, we both picked... Gable and Benjamin to win this match, and Gable and Benjamin do win this match. Yeah, not surprising. Um, and speaking of calling them Team Angle 2, why not just bring Gable and Shelton Benjamin over to Raw and have them be Team Angle and just kind of basically what the Miztourage is to the Miz, these guys can be the Angle to kind of like, you know, do their dirty work and help out Jason Jordan. That way you kind of keep American Alpha together a little bit. Um, so, I don't know, the, the, there's something for them to do instead of just, hey, you two guys, you you work together, you wrestle together. Um, but, you know, whatever. Well, Gable and Benjamin a fool to do Kurt Angle's dirty work. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, they don't want to do Kurt Angle's dirty work no more. Gotcha, gotcha. But, uh, anyway, yeah, so Gable and Benjamin go over. It uh, seems like what you are saying is the inevitability, and it is starting to take place. The Hype Bros probably headed to Splitsville. Oh, no, not the Hype Bros. I have so much invested in the Hype Bros. I do have something invested. I like Mojo Raleigh. It's Mr. Mojo, Mr. Mojo Raleigh. <laughs> well, a little known fact that uh, Mojo Raleigh is an anagram uh, for Mojo Raleigh. <laughs> <laughs> if you scramble the letters of Mojo Raleigh and then rearrange them, it just spells his name all over again. So it's an anagram. I want you to know that. <laughs> I think Mojo Raleigh is it. Is it like uh, Joom Lawyer? Maybe that's that's what it is. Joom Lawyer. <laughs> it's probably hashtag Joom Lawyer. Yes. It, it, not to be confused with Jerry the King Lawyer. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we crack ourselves up on our show. <laughs> oh, man, we have a good time. We have a good time. We have a good time. We have. I think it's safe to say that we are our own biggest fans here on the whole Reffin Show. 
The only wrestling <laughs> podcast that calls it right down the middle, folks. Oh, man. You know who's calling us that, don't you? We are? We are! Yay! We uh, so that's going to do it for the pre-show. Uh, what's going to happen to the Hype Bros, we don't know. Half of us don't really care. Uh, but, but, my half, Darren, my half. Uh, we're going to start this uh, Hell in a Cell PPV, or network exclusive, or whatever they want to call it nowadays, because the show can now begin. And it begins with a Hell in a Cell match, uh, where the tag team titles are on the line. The Usos taking on the New Day. And the combination of Xavier Woods and Big E. Kofi Kingston on the outside of the Hell in the Cell. Uh, Xavier and Big E pull out all the stops, and so do Jimmy and Jay. I mean, this is a good Hell in a Cell match. It's a good tag team match. It is. And it's my favorite kind of tag team match, Darren. It is Tornado Tag Rules, uh, which means no tag format. All, All the men are in the ring. And uh, they are just going going to blows with each other. Uh, no DQ, tornado tag rules inside of a Hell in a Cell. All the ingredients for one hell of a cocktail. Yeah, uh, when you have that tornado-style tag match, it always reminds me of the off-mentioned on our show, Pit Fighter. <laughs> uh, because when everybody's going at it all the time, especially in a match like this where they frequently go for... Uh, foreign objects. Right. And, uh, and and also I've made the analogy many times that Kofi Kingston is yeah, is Kato, uh Big E is Buzz, and Xavier Woods is Ty from the game uh Pit Fighter. So you, you actually you didn't realize it, but you you access Pit Fighter in your brain in regards to wrestling because I've made that analogy uh, many times before. So that's interesting that you, you make it again for different reasons, but really the same reasons. Um, yeah, well, like I said, it's, it's the off-mentioned, the off-mentioned pit fighter. Right. And, but yeah, this uh, the, I was impressed with this match. It bordered on too many toys. Um, the point at which there were literally like 14 kendo sticks in use all at once, I thought, you know, that, that, that visual isn't even good, and you're not going to accomplish anything with that. So I thought that was a little bit of a waste or a little bit of overkill, but like using the kendo sticks to like as like a like a, like a cage to trap uh, one of the usos that was brilliant. That was very that cool. Was that was very innovative. Place. Yeah, I, I hadn't seen that before. So absolutely, um, and it's uh, th- this this matches. That's one thing I didn't like about the match, though, is these guys can put on a really good wrestling match, but this was just hit you with toys, basically. I mean, Xavier Woods hitting uh, the Usos with just trombone after trombone, um, and yeah, all the, all the kendo sticks that are involved. Um, and what happens, Darren? What did I say would happen that happens? The Usos uh, bring out the handcuffs, yeah? They oh, handcuff yeah. Big E, Yeah. Of course, I said they'd handcuff Big E to the cage. They didn't do that, but they do handcuff Big E, and they handcuff uh, Xavier Woods with his like they, they handcuff his hands behind the uh, corner post of the ring, and they go to town on his uh, his torso with kendo sticks, and they hit him so many times and so hard, and there's no way to defend himself because his arms are behind him with the kendo sticks. Like I felt bad for Xavier Woods. Like I was like, stop, stop doing that. 
Yeah, I did too. That was a little scary looking, more intense than I would have expected them to, to do to do uh, this day and age, and especially with somebody like Xavier Woods, who I don't care how he might be, doesn't come across as a tough guy. No, 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 no. And he he's a he's a muscly dude. Like especially standing next to Kofi Kingston, who's a little on the, the scrawnier side. Um, but um, no, he's he's right in the middle. He's the tie. He's he's got a bit of a bit of size and a bit of speed. He, he's the tie again, pit fighter. Um, so yeah, I mean, this is just an intense match with a lot of a lot of big hits and um, the kendo sticks, the trombones, and all that stuff's going on. And uh, ultimately, it does end with uh, Xavier Woods, I believe. Yeah, Xavier Woods laying down on the mat with a chair on top. And the Usos, they do a double splash from uh, the top rope of each side. And a Very, very cool spot. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Uh, it, was, it was a lot of pain and endurance. And that match went a lot longer than I thought it would for what it was. It was literally just them beating the hell out of each other, which is what you expect in a good Hell in a Cell match. So I'll say a good match for sure, but I was very sure that the New Day would lose. You said they'd win, but guess what? I get that right because the Usos leave with them SmackDown tag team belts. So they didn't walk in with the belts, but they did. <laughs> That's right. I'm going to walk in with them. I'm going to walk out. Yes. Well, next up, we have a match that I could care less about, (laughs) and that is the Randy Orton-Rusev match. And I tell you what, it's amazing to see that they still don't know what to do with Rusev. They don't care that they don't know what to do with Rusev. They don't try anymore, and yet they keep him around. And they think they're trying to make chicken salad out of chicken shit with Randy Orton. And so therefore you have, as a result of those two... They've been doing that for over a decade, Darren. <laughs> right. But as a result of those two different ways of thinking, the result is you have this match that no one wants to see, that doesn't really matter. And if you did want to see it, you would really only want to see it for Rusev to win. If you really care about wrestling, then you would want Rusev to win this match. And he doesn't. Of course he doesn't. This is just another way to bury Rusev and have super total status quo with Randy Orton. Don't do anything way over the top and cool. Certainly don't let him lose. So just put him out there and just let just go. Just... Blah, blah, RKO out of nowhere. No, no one cares. No, no, I, I get it. I understand. I'm like tech support on the phone. You know, I understand your frustration, um, <laughs> which is what WWE tech support will tell you if you ask about this. Cause, and, and they'll also say that, man, SmackDown ratings are pretty bad right now. We can't, we can't not have Randy Orton on TV. Um, so we have to feed him someone. And unfortunately, it's going to be you, Rusev. You probably... Almost touch Vince McMahon once on the shoulder, so uh, <laughs> nice throwback to Titus there. Uh, but he, luckily, he has a pretty good knock, so they're going to let Rusev stick around. 
Um, the match itself is pretty good. It's 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 a typical match. You've seen this a thousand times. You could have seen it on SmackDown very easily. Rusev goes for the Alkalade, which uh, Orton counters with an RKO and the pin, and and that's it. I mean, there's not much to say about the match. It was it was a, it's a fine match. It was a fine match. <laughs> Um, but you know, there's, there's nothing to elaborate. There's nothing spectacular about it. It's a match you could have seen on TV. We're done. Yeah. Yeah. And we both picked Orton to win. And of course he won. So there we go. We're still, still on track here. Right. Uh, you know, I, I have the new day hiccup. Uh, and of course you had the Usos, uh, picked correctly. And, uh, but Still, it's gonna end. It's gonna end well for both of us. <laughs> Ooh, that takes us into a match that's not quite as cut and dry when it comes to our head-to-head. Head-to-head. Because it was supposed to be a singles match between the U.S. champion AJ Styles taking on Baron Corbin, but they added someone else—a tiebreaker, if you will. Um, whoa, Ty Dillinger, the perfect 10, got thrown into the match. It became a triple threat, which is pretty cool for Ty Dillinger because he gets to be involved uh, in a a major title match, you know, on the pay-per-view. But not cool for us because, hey, we said one or the other. And the second they added Ty Dillinger, I knew that Baron Corbin was going to win. Originally, we both said AJ Styles was going to win. Um, so it, it didn't matter. So I, we, can't, we can't count this one, right? This doesn't count. They, they changed it on us. That, that, that's like saying we didn't call the tag match at WrestleMania 33 yeah. properly. We didn't know the Hardys were going to show up and win. So that, that's, that's, that happens. Well, sure, sure. I mean, you definitely don't count it as a, a loss. No. We certainly can't uh, uh, say that the WWE forfeits and therefore we, we take it as a win. But I'm going to put that as the third, in the third column. Win, loss, and then the sort of something screwy happened here. Um, <laughs> right. So we don't get a check, we don't get an X, we just sort of get a nil symbol. And so that's what I'm going to chalk this one up to. A nil symbol, because what we were promised is not what we got, and because it's not what we got, it's not what we discussed. So... It's out of bounds, <laughs> as Guy Fieri would say. <laughs> uh, yes, indeed. Out of bounds. So it's um, it, it, it's a pretty good match. And again, I'll say it every time I mention Baron Corbin. I'm not a fan of Baron Corbin. Um, I like AJ Styles and Ty Dillinger wrestling because it's new. You know, it's still pretty new at this point, and it's you're going to see different things. Um, but, uh, this basically goes the way you think it would go now that it's a triple threat situation to alleviate some of the loss. If he does lose the belt from AJ Styles, there's now this third person There's this wild card of the match. And also, you know, Baron Corbin wins. He doesn't beat AJ Styles cleanly. Um, Ty Dillinger gets involved. Um, so yeah, AJ Styles hits a phenomenal forearm on Ty Dillinger uh, goes for the pin, but Corbin throws him out of the ring and uh, snatches up the pin and the win, and he's the U.S. champion. So I guess Baron Corbin was very close to a uh, SmackDown title push, which he lost for you know reasons probably in- involving his social media, uh, what have you. But uh, here's your consolation prize, Baron. You get to be U.S. champ for a bit. Yeah, and I like it. Without going into too much detail, because our dear listeners... You know, they know that I am not a diehard Corbin fan, 
But I like the I like the Baron Corbin. I'm a, I'm on board. I'm anxious for his future. Not in love with his present, but I uh, I'm anxious to see what goes down in his future. And I think carrying around that championship. And it looks like he did a little something to his hair. He's acknowledging the fact that he's losing that hair. And I think he brought his hairline back. I noticed that too, actually, yeah. And uh, it automatically made him look better. And, uh, you know, different strokes for different folks and different looks work on different people. I mean, nobody had, nobody on Earth had a skirted eggshell like the immortal Hulk Hogan. But <laughs> he worked it, man. Uh, he did. And outside of those extreme assholes who just didn't get Hulk Hogan, I mean, he was wrestling for almost 20 years. And speaking of wrestlers from long ago, uh, we have two who are daughters of some WWF, WWE favorites. Uh, of course, the daughter of Ric Flair, Charlotte, is coming for that SmackDown women's title, and she has to get it from the current SmackDown champion, and that is uh, old Anvil Neidhart's daughter, uh, Natalia, Natty Neidhart. And they are calling her the queen of the Blackhearts now. Yeah. As we know, her uncle Owen was the king of the Blackhearts, and uh, so I dig it. I, I, I really dig Natalia's connection to all that. Like, um... It, it, it works. It doesn't seem like just another legacy or just another second generation or third generation or however you want to look at it. It seems like uh, like a legitimate thing, like a legitimately uh, different thing. Well, it's, you know? it's, it's interesting with the hearts because the hearts are such a wrestling family. Like like they are such a wrestling tribe. I'm really I'm really uh, I'm really confused as to why there aren't like a thousand other heart children all trying to get into the business. I know there there are a few, but like there should be a whole nother second and third generation of heart family people around. Um, so it's kind of odd that there's not to me. Um, I guess a lot of them were like, "Whoa, this family likes wrestling too much. We're definitely not doing that." Um, <laughs> I don't want. I don't want Grandpa Stu taking me down to the dungeon and stretching the hell out of me. Um, so I, I totally get that. But I don't know. To me, Natalia relies too much on the heart stuff, you know, even down to taking uh, Bret Hart's, which is not her fucking father, um, taking his, like, you know, finisher, taking his best there is, best there was, best there ever will be. And it's like, okay, you're, you're not Bret Hart's daughter. You're Jim Anvil Neidhart's daughter. So either grow a goatee or fucking, what? or or fucking, figure out your shit, man. Um, so N Natalia, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of, but I, I do think she is a good wrestler. Charlotte Flair, I'm over the moon for. You know, she does the woo, she does the strut. She she was in the women's four horsemen in NXT, and I'm fine by all that because, man, Charlotte's great. She can go. She's one of the best, most athletic wrestlers, not women wrestlers, wrestlers um, that I've seen in a very long time. So. Oh, she definitely is. I feel exactly the same way about Charlotte. And that's it, folks. And next match is going to be... Uh, no, no. So this match is a good match, and we, we thought it would be. But man, do I hate the way it ends. Um, of course, Charlotte Flair is... Uh, is <laughs> she's kayfabe and a knee injury for most of the match, which I've talked about many times. I hate 
when people do that. Um, but it's it's not too blatant. It's not too bad. But it's they, they keep mentioning it on commentary. So it's like, all right, all right, we get it, we get it. Oh, Charlotte hits the top rope uh, moonsault onto Natalia on the outside, which is always nice to see. Uh, but the Natalia hits Charlotte with a chair and actually gets disqualified. So we both said that Charlotte would win the match, but we were kind of hoping she'd leave with the title. Uh, also, notice in the show, there's not one single mention of Carmella, who, again, still has the women's money at the bank, can cash in at any time. And I thought, like, oh, man, they have not mentioned Carmella once. That means that Carmella might be doing it, and then nothing. No Carmella. The match ends in a DQ, which is just not a good finish. Let's let's face it. Um, no. Yeah, so what, what are your thoughts on the match? My thoughts on the match are it was good, not great. I think both of these women are outstanding. I, uh, I'm, I'm partial to Charlotte here, although I really dig Natalia. Like I said, she, her legacy existence, although it seems to irk you a little bit because <laughs> maybe it borrows too much from Brett and not enough from Anvil, and I get that. But um, I just like the fact that it is sort of that heart foundation feel. Hey, it's like I said, it's almost that faction feel, that gang warfare. Now, unfortunately, she doesn't have her gang around her, you know, at all times or at any time. But there's that feel like, you know, she is a part of this thing, not simply, oh, I am the daughter of Jim Neidhart. The end, you know, I think all the pink and the black and the moves and the catchphrases uh, are good for her. And then Charlotte, I too am over the moon. I like everything that Charlotte does. Um, I like her on the microphone. I like her in the ring. Uh, and she says great things. This match uh, is a nice back and forth. It showcases both of these ladies' abilities. But not all of them. Not all of them. I feel like they're each a little too big for the other one to quite throw around like they do a lot of the other smaller women. Uh, in the WWE. But I also didn't want to see an end in a DQ. You know, we both picked Charlotte to win this match. We both technically get it right, but not in that way. Like, I, I didn't want to win it in that way. Um, so, you know, we tie on that one on a technicality, but I would have liked to have seen Charlotte actually capture the belt. I'm with you That's on that. What I was I mean, that's what I was betting on. I'm with you on that. The DQ is, is it's not always the best way to end a match. I mean, obviously, you do it so the heel kind of holds on to the title. Um, it doesn't, you know, it loses, but doesn't really lose, like, you know, one, two, three, squarely. Um, and obviously, Charlotte doesn't lose, and she looks good. Uh, watching a lot of older wrestling uh, lately, and I, I miss, you know what I miss? I miss the time limit. I miss that matches end because the match reaches the time limit and there just is no winner. There aren't two losers. There just isn't a winner. And and that's and that's gone to that decision is made a lot back in the old days where matches just constantly reach that 20 or 10 minute time limit and it's like, "Oh, no winner." 
these guys wrestled and they're both so good that they they couldn't pin the other one in that amount of time. Like they should bring back the time limit. I think that's one. Again, I've said that before about New Japan. That's one thing I love about New Japan is they keep the time limit going. Um, so that that's very cool. And again, it makes it feel like an official fight. Um, so anyway, I'm all for that. Um, but uh, obviously, not the best uh, not the best way to win that one. Uh, for Charlotte, or for us, when it comes to head-to-head. Head-to-head. But that's the way it goes at Hell in a Cell. Next up, we have WWE Champion, the modern-day Maharaja, Jinder Mahal, accompanied by the Singh brothers, defending his WWE Championship against the artist, the King of Strong Style, Shinsuke Nakamura. I picked Jinder to win this match. I made a rookie mistake, and I picked Shinsuke Nakamura, the the challenger, and the and when I as soon as I saw the poster for Hell in a Cell, which was after I made my pick, and saw that the poster featured Kevin Owens and Shane McMahon, I was like, oh god, it's not the main event. And it's not going to be in a Hell in a Cell at Hell in a Cell. There's no way that they're going to they're going to crown a new champion on this night. So I made a rookie mistake on the head to head. Head to head. And I chose Shinsuke Nakamura because my heart manifested my heart, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I say? You feel my dog? Um, I had to go with Shinsuke because <laughs> again, I believe I believe in Shinsuke. But they're they, they, man. I, I want to say they fucking killed Shinsuke Nakamura off. They're starting to make me not care about Shinsuke Nakamura with this booking, right? Yeah. Hey, hey, Perry, uh, could you could you invite Booker T back <laughs> in for a second? Yeah, man. <laughs> oh, hey, 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 Book. Yeah, man. Yeah, what's up, man? Uh, Booker T. Well, how do you feel about Shinsuke Nakamura, Booker? Shinsuke, man, you know he's, he's got a he's got a lot of ability, man. He's got a lot of ability. He's got a lot of heart. You gotta feel it. You gotta feel that side, man. He's got those long legs, you know. He's gonna run on them hurdles, man. He's jumping them hurdles over them wrestlers, man. With that kid, the Kinshasa. He got his Kinshasa. Hey, hey, Booker T. Yeah, Booker T. I feel you. <laughs> oh, thank you. Oh my God. <laughs> Someone felt him, and he, he faded away like a genie. Uh, apparently, <laughs> apparently, if you feel him, he will—he just leaves. You feel me? You feel me? <laughs> well, anyway, well, thank you for Booker T for stopping by the whole wrap um, show. Um, this match, though, it's 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 that it's it's the same fucking story over and over again with uh, Jinder Mahal. Yeah, obviously, the Singh brothers get get involved. Uh, they actually get ejected from ringside by referee Charles Robinson, a.k.a. Little Nage. Um, so kicks out the sings, and the, the fans are like, hey, that means that Shinsuke's got a chance. Uh, but no, he, he doesn't have a chance because uh, Shinsuke immediately hits the Kinshasa on Jinder Mahal, goes for the pin. But the sings come back out enough to get Charles Robinson's attention, so he's not there to make the count. When he finally gets there, Jinder kicks out on two. And from there, you just know it's going to be a shit show. Yeah, but it's not that bad. I mean, you know, I picked gender. It's good for you. Well, I don't know. I'm just, this is the kind of match that tears me because I want Shinsuke to be everything and do everything. 
and have everything and be loved by everyone. But I actually want gender to have all of the above as well. And so these two finding each other is a big problem for me. They they want you to, to choose, Darren. They want they want you to decide. Oh, uh, I don't doubt that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and again, I don't. I'm not trying to hashtag hinder gender, uh, but I I just hate the way it's making Nakamura look throughout the feud. So I'm ready for these two to to stop uh, wrestling each other. And uh, you know, AJ is not the U.S. champion anymore. AJ Styles can maybe set his sights on Jinder Mahal, win that title, and then he would need a contender. Uh, oh, I know. I know. AJ versus Shinsuke Nakamura. Yay! Oh, there you go. You can get it. One day. One day I'll get it when I'm dead. Murdered gangland style. Um, so, <laughs> gender goes for it. Again, I shouldn't laugh at that. Again, gender, um, <laughs> gender sidesteps a Kinshasa, a second Kinshasa, which sends Nakamura into the, the corner hurting his knee. And Jinder's right there with that Cobra clutch slam and the pan and the win. And Jinder retains that WWE title. Uh, we're looking forward to to knowing who's going to actually stop Jinder Mahal. And I, I'm even more looking forward to the future if Jinder Mahal will ever get it back again after this run. Um, time will tell. Uh, with that, we move on to another NXT favorite who made his way over to SmackDown Live and Oh, uh, they're not quite sure that uh, they know what they're doing with them, and I forget. I think we mentioned this last time. I forget he's even there sometimes. That is the glorious one, Bobby Roode. The glorious one. He takes on Dolph Ziggler. Uh, Dolph Ziggler, who again is just the man that puts over the the latest talent, and uh, we thought that's what would happen here. And you know what, Darren? We were right. That's what happened here. Uh, Bobby Roode is able to defeat Dolph Ziggler. It's a it's a good match, man. There are way it's, too it, many way too many rest holds in this. Like you should not see the sleeper hold put on twice. Half the match is Bobby Roode in a sleeper hold, especially by these athletes. These guys can do so much more than that. That should never happen. No, you should. They should actually outlaw the sleeper hold. It is the most boring move. There are there are at least a thousand and four holds as uh, Chris Jericho once named them off on Nitro, um, that you can do. So don't do the sleeper. There's a thousand and three other holds to do. Don't do the fucking sleeper. That's that's lame. Um, Unless you're Roddy Piper. Um, no, I, I agree. Piper, Piper, sleeper hole. But that was a finisher. That was a way to end the match. You know, it's not like, oh, God, we need to. All right, then we'll do something in a second. But give us this, you know, give us a minute <laughs> to catch our breaths. Um, so there's that. It's it ends pretty uh, pretty oddly in like a rolling tights grabbing pin. Um, I think Dolph Ziggler rolls up Bobby Roode, and then Bobby Roode kind of reverses it into a roll up, and he's grabbing the tights when he reverses it again. Eventually, though, Bobby Roode is on top with a tight tight grab, and uh, and uh, like he he pins uh, Dolph Ziggler. So Bobby Roode. Goes on Dolph Ziggler. I feel bad for. I'm not a. He's a really good wrestler. He's a good athlete. I don't care about him character wise, but I do feel bad for Dolph Ziggler because he is just jobbing to everyone on pay per views. So. And now, dear listeners, we are going to discuss the main event of the evening. Ko Kevin Owens, the Prize Fighter, takes on Shane O'Mac. Shane McMahon, the son of Vincent Kennedy McMahon, 
and the commissioner of SmackDown Live. That's right, Shane McMahon. And they are fighting in a Hell in a Cell match. They are going to drop down this cage just as before and the opening match of the evening. And much like the name of the network special tells us, Hell in a Cell. That's the destination for Owens and McMahon. Let's see what Shane can do to pay uh, Kevin back for the headbutt heard around the world that he uh, delivered to Vince. Headbutt? Would you say that they went head-to-head? Head-to-head. Absolutely. Theirs isn't as fun as our head-to-head. Head-to-head. All right. This match is outstanding. This match is way better than it has any right to be. Any match that has Shane McMahon in it shouldn't be this good. Sorry, Shane. I know you're athletic. You have incredible strength and agility. You know, you like to believe that you could be an actor, just a full-blown Hollywood actor. Well, speaking of acting, I think his kids need to take an acting class because uh, his family, Shane McMahon's family, is ringside for the match. He's got like two or three children. Um, yeah, he's got three boys. Three boys. Um, they're all like what, five to thirteen, maybe. I don't. I don't know. I'm not gonna guess in kids' ages. Probably eight, ten, and twelve okay. uh, these days. So, so young kids, they're ringside. Uh, Kevin Owens is beating up on Shane. Um, he's kind of like mocking the children. He starts grinding. Kevin Owens starts. <laughs> Kevin Owens starts grinding Shane McMahon's face into the the fence of the. Uh, the cage of the hell in the cell right in front of his kids. And it, and it cuts to the kids and the kids are like, Oh, you and they're like laughing. And it's like, no, no, your, your father's getting murdered. <laughs> don't laugh. It's like, don't, no, all right, don't show the kids anymore. Don't show the kids anymore. They're fucking this up. Uh, yeah, but they're the only things that, 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 that were a shortcoming. I, I can't believe how good this match is. No, it's it's good, and this is the kind of match that Shane McMahon's going to excel in. Uh, it's, it's not a technical match. It's just a slobber knocker. It's a, a slugfest. It's just a, a brawl. Uh, no, that's, that's where you want Shane McMahon. Again, you want him to fall off of something really, really high. Um, and he will. And he will. He will. Um, but this is also the kind of match I think you want Kevin Owens in. Like, Kevin Owens can wrestle a million different styles. The guy is uh, very well equipped and well versed in various styles. Can go all night long with a variety of opponents. And yet, this is still, in my opinion, the match you want Kevin Owens in. Yeah, you I was actually, some- I was actually about to say it's it's what you said. I completely agree with Owens is good in any kind of situation. He's, he's the Phil Hartman of wrestling. You can put him in anything, and he's, he's going to do just fine. He, obviously, he's someone who's been a fan of wrestling for a long time, and we know that he, he was a fan, or hopefully still is a fan. Hopefully, he still likes the business he's in. Um, so you can tell that, I mean, he's kind of ready for any situation because he's seen it done a thousand times. Yeah, he's absolutely uh, prepared for any situation. But this is the one, again, the brutality here. Uh, even though he can adapt to anyone's style, this seems fitting. Fitting for this feud, fitting for the character that Kevin Owens is, and the sort of like freewheeling devastator 
that that is Kevin Owens, that is this prize fighter when he's actually unleashed in an atmosphere that uh, that sort of uh, symbiotically aids him, you know, and that that's the thing here is that the hell in a cell structure actually seems like an extension of Owens here and the Owens uh, approach and uh, the fact that he just wants to annihilate his opponent. Right. Nah, I agree with that completely. Yes. Um, and Shane hit his classic move, Coast to Coast, uh, a.k.a. the uh, Van Terminator with the Rob Van Dam move that he did first and Shane did the next week. Um, <laughs> but uh, he actually hits that on uh, Kevin Owens with Kevin Owens holding a trash can. And uh, that looked really good. And one interesting thing happens here after he hits the coast to coast. Shane goes to pin Kevin Owens. Yeah. yeah. Kevin Owens puts his foot on the rope. Breaking the pin, however, it should not have broken the pin. This is no disqualification, false count anywhere, hell in a cell match. And even commentary has to mention the fact that that should not have broken the pin uh, because it's the rules are the rules in this particular match. So that that's, again, we just said Kevin Owens is a big fan of wrestling. He should have known that. <laughs> Um, or if, if someone booked that backstage, they should have known that. Yeah, that that doesn't look too good. But uh, the high spots do look good. Cannonball off the ring apron. You know, people smashing through tables. And then, of course, you have the big bump. Oh, uh, yes. The big bump. Uh, the big bang, the big bump. Right. Um, they're both on top of the hell in the cell. Uh, Kevin Owens is up there first. Shane McMahon comes out there and joins them. And uh, they fight on top of the Hell in Cell for a while. Like They're up there for a good while. And you, you feel like any time that they get slammed onto the onto the the cage that it's just going to buckle. You, you think of Mick Foley falling through the cage, obviously. Um, and and the, teeth flying out of his nose. Oh, ugh, gruesome. But um, Owens tries to start climbing down. Uh, but Shane climbs down with him. They get about halfway down the cell, and Shane just punches Owens until Owens falls backwards onto that uh, announcer's table and just shatters the table. And it's funny because the even though that's horrible and, like, you'd have to pay me a good amount of money for me to do that myself, the, <laughs> the fans are like, no, we, we want – you have to go higher than that and fall higher, higher than that. Like, the fans are so bloodthirsty in the situation – Anytime they're on top of the Hell in a Cell, they're like, jump off, jump off. And it's like, fuck you. Uh, I have a family. They're, they're sitting right there. Um, maybe not kill myself. But Shane, being Shane McMahon, the adrenaline junkie he is, uh, he jumps off anyway. Because he eventually has Kevin Owens on a table, on the announce table. He goes up top. And uh, after a bit of deliberation with himself... Uh, he decides to do a diving elbow, which I said, by the way, would happen. I said that Kevin Owens would be laid out of the table and Shane would go up to... to I said frog splash on him. Uh, but I, I do want to point out for the record that I was pretty much right about how the match would end. However, what I did not see coming is Kevin Owens is able to avoid Shane McMahon because he's pulled off the table by his arch nemesis, Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn getting involved. Yeah, that's the surprise of the century. These guys have been feuding for years now. 
fight forever, right? The shirt, the wrestling t-shirt, the only one that I really want besides wanting back my <laughs> original NWO shirt. The only new shirt I want is that damn shirt, fight forever. Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. I don't care if they're Kevin Steen and El Generico, if they're in PWG or they're in ROH. Hell, if they're in NXT, I don't care where they are, fight forever. And yet, I can still totally buy, you know, them apart or together. And together is where they are now, and that is is, is pretty incredible. Didn't see it coming. No. Would have never guessed it. Absolutely would never have guessed it. One, because that's a, that's a true blue swerve. And two, because Sami Zayn, I thought, had become an afterthought. I really thought his, his opportunity had come and gone, that it was squandered and he was going to be in that sort of lower mid-card for a few more years until he decided to finally leave the company. But this is big. This is big, big moving and shaking for Sammy. Absolutely, and uh, I mean you got it. I mean it's 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 adding to the storyline that is uh, Kevin Steen, El Generico, Sammy Zayn, Kevin Owens, um, and you got to remember even Raven helped out Tommy Dreamer. Um, <laughs> so that's right. That is right. These things happen, um, and I uh, know great great surprise, a very shocking twist that no one saw coming. Um, and with that, you know, Shane McMahon takes that horrible bump from the top of the cell. He's laid out. He's not going anywhere. Kevin Owens pins Shane McMahon, wins the match, which means we did pretty well. You and I tie for head-to-head. Head-to-head. So it's 6-6-1, one, one being the, the the triple threat match that they did overnight. Um, so, hey, good on us. We did it. We did, we did well. We did very well. Hey, us. At, you did it. Yes. I know we mentioned it at the at the, uh, at the earliest part of the show, but we really did do well. Like, I, I, I'm pretty, pretty pleased. You say that like we don't do well usually. <laughs> well, I haven't done well lately. Okay. So, so this is exceptionally well. When you're really only one match off, I, I'm happy with it. I'm happy yeah. with it. Glad you are. And we uh, can be together, you know, me and you and you and me. No matter how they toss the dice. <laughs> yes, it had to be. Had to be. Uh, yeah, man. Um, so, and I'm pretty happy with the pay per view in general. I thought it was a, a decent show. Hell in the Cell, very nice, good stuff. Some good wrestling, some good spots. Had a bit of everything. Had some good wrestling and had some good spots. Uh, Hell in a Cell, you're, you're going to commonly get more spots than wrestling. Uh, that's just kind of the way it is. But uh, it was good. I enjoyed it. I had fun. I had a good time. I did, too. I, I really did. I uh, I stayed awake for the whole thing. Hey, that's a triumph. I, uh, I enjoyed the whole thing. I didn't sit and judge it to death. I didn't uh, flip channels. I, I just enjoyed it. And then I... And, that, and that's almost rare these days. Um, unfortunately, when you talk about shows that are that long, of which we know so much and are typically so critical, 
But then to see one that it's like, okay, we're going to pick, you know, this and this apart, sure. But as a whole, man, good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, we Way better. Way, way better than pretty much anything they've done since WrestleMania. Wow. Uh, I don't know how I feel about that, but I can't think of any other pay-per-view on top of my head. Uh, that's what we think. What do you think, fans? Let us know. How can you let us know? Well, there's a lot of ways to let us know. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Refn Show Podcast, R-E-F-N-S-H-O-W-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Find us on Facebook, like and share. And uh, send us an email if you want to, show at gmail.com, T-H-E-W-H-O-L-E-R-E-F-N-S-H-O-W at gmail.com, or... Or we're always ready to visit with you and answer your questions on Instagram. Thank you so much for liking our pictures on Instagram and dropping us the occasional question or comment just to say how much you dig something that we have shared out into the rest of the world. Uh, really makes our day on Instagram where you can find us at the whole Refn show. So please, please talk to us on there because we love to talk right back. Yes, yes, we do. And uh, another reminder, of course, that uh, Darren and I are doing the whole Refn show live uh, for a select few at the Hippodrome in Gainesville, Florida. That's right. Hogtown, North Central Florida, at the Fest 16, the day before Fest Wrestling's We Are Family. Perry and myself, Darren, on the stage live, bringing you the whole Refn show and bringing you a panel of wrestlers from Fest. That is right. To be announced very soon. Keep your eyes on our social media. We are crossing the T's and dotting the I's as we put together the final measures on this live podcast at the Fest 16 in Gainesville. We don't want to possibly jinx ourselves by giving out information that is not confirmed, and we certainly don't want to mislead any of you, dear listeners. But, dear listeners, we do want you there. Show up. Cheer us on. Ask us questions. Throw pickles and tomatoes at us. I was just going to say, security will be checking the audience for eggs and tomatoes. (laughs) But not pickles. Not pickles. uh, Pickles in the tree. And maybe if, uh, you know, maybe there will be a couple of haters there and we'll get some lettuce and tomatoes. (laughs) Worth it for the the Enzo reference. So watch out. We are going to be alive on the stage, and I cannot wait. I am so jazzed up about this thing. I'm ready to get out there in front of our audience and uh, and party hardy. You know, party like it's 1959. Right. Well, the fest is the biggest party of the year, Um, so where better to party hard than the hardest party uh, this side of the Pecos, or on that side of the Pecos either, any side of the Pecos. <laughs> any which way but loose. Please join us, dear listeners. We are excited to be doing it. We're excited to be in front of you. And please come up, talk to us, chat us up. We would love to meet you there. Yes, indeed. 
And that's going to about do it for us here at the Whole Ref and Show. The only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. My name is Perry Smith. And my name is Darren Beasley. And we're going to see you next week, folks. Take care. Don't